And welcome to the Range Project Podcast. This is Chris McGrory, and in these conversations, I'm trying to learn from the wide range of amazing people around me, from the Harvard community and beyond. I want to both understand what my guests do and how they do it. So that means getting people to talk about what they know most, the tips and tricks they use, and the mental frameworks they have so you and I can apply them to our own lives. And today we have Henry Zhu. Henry studied psychology at Harvard and also led the coverage of the men's basketball team while in school. And currently, Henry is the chief of staff at the Jed Foundation. And they aim to protect the emotional health of and prevent suicide for teens and young adults. While the foundation advises schools on mental health policies and runs PSAs with celebrities like Billie Eilish and leagues like the NBA, Henry is especially interested in male mental health and really modern masculinity overall. So basically, that's like how the culture pushes boys and men to think and behave in certain ways that really it's just getting in the way of guys being their healthiest selves. So as you might be able to guess, that's where we focus our conversation today. That means relationships, vulnerability, self-worth, all the things that make us whole. And please don't let Henry's soft-spoken nature fool you. He is incredibly passionate, knowledgeable, and ambitious about improving mental health for young people and males in particular. Now, before we start, I want to quickly mention the first partnership for the podcast, No Solo Brand. Now, if you've been listening for a little bit or know me, then you know how important mental health is to me, which is why I'm so excited to team up with No Solo, whose mission is to help end the stigma surrounding mental illness through their hats and merch. Now, basically, we already know mental illness does not discriminate, and the logo really says nobody goes solo in whatever battle they're fighting. While the awareness and support born out of the product is important, No Solo has also committed 20% of profits to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, who help individuals and families get the support they need. If you want to learn more, then give episode 28 with co-founder John Torresinta a listen, and then head over to nosolobrand.com and use the code RANGE. 20 that's all uppercase r a n g e 20 for 20% off your order i personally love the backward 7 cap in white but my brother really likes his trainer cap in gray so you really can't go wrong and it is not like those little freebie gifts that you got with your last donation that you never wear now i know you know what i'm talking about No Solo is top quality stuff that you'll want to rock for what it represents and how it looks. So please check them out. And I couldn't have thought of a better partnership to go along with this conversation. So with all that said, 
please enjoy Henry Zhu. One, two, three, do it! Henry, how you doing? Awesome, awesome. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with me this evening after work. Uh, right now it's Thursday night, and can you tell everybody where you're uh, where you're calling from? Yeah, I'm actually calling from uh, Harrison, New Jersey. It's about say 20 minutes uh, on the train from New York City. Uh, so, just came back from work. We're in person today. Um, had like 10 people in the office. It was like the most we've had since uh, COVID. So really, good day overall. <laughs> How about you? Love to hear that. I am outside of Boston in my childhood bedroom as you can you can probably tell uh, so but also after a day of work but here at the same desk uh, but I was thinking and we'll get to your work with Jed and we'll definitely get to talking about mental health directly but first I would want to just maybe like set the stage for background get a little bit better uh, understanding of you and like to that, I would love to hear, like, if you could maybe just like paint me a picture of your high school experience. Like, where were you in the country? What was your environment like at school and at home? And I really want to get to who was your high school Spanish teacher mm-hmm. and maybe why were, why were they so important to you? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Grew up in uh, Warren, New Jersey, which is uh, about an hour from the city um, in the suburbs. Um, the high school I went to was called Watching Hills. Um, really pretty competitive high school, I would say. Um, a lot of driven students um, and, um, you know, a solid environment, uh, you know, to, to learn and to uh, make friends and everything. And, you know, I come from <laughs> a first-generation first Chinese kind of immigrant household, so my parents had pretty high expectations for me, especially academically. Um, and, um, you know, it's, um, I, I tried to <laughs> meet their expectations and everything. And, um, you know, in high school, I had a great support system of friends, um, great teachers and classes and everything. Um, but sometimes I felt like, you know, I was just a number, um, you know, in, in a public school environment, you're expected to <laughs> meet some, meet some expectations and, um, you know, especially for kind of students like me who did fairly well academically, um, you kind of get moved through the system, like in a positive way, I'd say, but sometimes, um, you know, you never get to build that personal relationship with your teachers or sometimes even your other peers, um, so at times it got it got pretty lonely and um you know just dealing with the pressure of school of college and everything you kind of need that outlet that's maybe not just your friends and so um i'd say freshman and and sophomore year i kind of struggled in that that capacity but really lucky um kind of heading into my junior year um to have um you know met the Spanish teacher who uh, was also my soccer coach. And, um, you know, he was one of the only kind of um, teachers who was a a person of color um, in a predominantly like white school with white teachers. And so um, I gravitated to him. A lot of my peers um, gravitated to him. Um, And, you know, before school, we would, you know, go visit his classroom and talk about 
everything that was going on in our lives. Um, and he was just a great mentor. And to that, you know, I realized, you know, the whole school process, the whole learning process is not just about your academics, it's really about your grades. It's also about kind of your maturation, your social emotional development, um, learning how to be an adult and transitioning kind of emotionally, right, to that process of leaving uh, your community. And I personally felt like that wasn't as emphasized as much uh, as I would like um, in high school. And, you know, just speaking with other people in other environments, I'm sure this is the case for them as well. Um, and so, you know, that had a very long lasting effect for me, um, you know, moving into college and thinking about how we can better support kind of emerging adults, um, young adults um, in, in their kind of emotional development and making sure that they have a strong system of support um, outside of their academics. And so um, it's partially why I'm kind of in this, this mental health space now. Thank you for all of that background and going beyond just the, uh, the surface level for real. Uh, I appreciate that. And I caught you you laughed when you said meeting your parents' expectations and talking about pressure. Um, I'm reflecting, thinking back on my high school, I was very lucky. I felt like whatever pressure was on me was self-induced. Um, so I was really lucky in that regard, but um, thinking about like the, the places where my education fell short in that like developing like an identity and kind of like being more robust than just a student and athlete was yeah. kind of where I fell short. But, uh, I, 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 I'd wonder, did you have a similar experience with pressure? Was it kind of coming from internally or, uh, were there other, other things going on that kind of colored that high school experience and maybe, uh, yeah. maybe made you laugh when you brought it up? <laughs> Yeah, I think a little bit of both, right? Um, just because, you know, my parents didn't grow up in this country. Um, I'm the first kind of guinea pig, right? The oldest um, in my family. So everything. <laughs> yeah, You're so lucky. Everything from, uh, yeah, going into school, kindergarten up to um, 12th grade, that was all new, right, for my family and for me. So, you know, a lot of, with a lot of this uncertainty, um, kind of one way to, uh, mitigate that is by ensuring that you're doing everything that you can. So there was a lot of kind of pressure there. And um, I put that on myself as well. Like I would say I'm pretty internally driven um, and, you know, whatever I, I'm invested in, whether that's in school or sports or whatever, I tried to give it my all. Um, so, um, you know, part of that. And then I would say I was in, yeah, fairly competitive academic environment and um, yeah, my peers, um, were doing well. I wanted to meet those goals too. Um, and then one thing I'll also touch on is kind of being an Asian American, um, especially for me growing up, there weren't too many <laughs> role models or people in the public space to kind of look up to. So you're kind of charting your own path, right? Or, um, you know, Jeremy Lin, for example, he came up in when I was later in high school and he was like one of the first people I'd be like, oh, I can look like identify and resonate with him. Um, and culturally, I would say just, um, 
you know, you're expected to be humble, you're expected to be diligent, you're expected to put your head down and get your work done. And um, kind of that's one way to um, kind of put respect or, or honor um, onto your name, right? And so um, kind of dealing with that um, cultural, um, you know, pressure, which I think was was partially good, but also contributed to kind of this uncertainty about, okay, like, am I able to acclimate myself into this, this, this Western society? Am I doing what I need to? Um, and, you know, things like being very outspoken, taking big leadership positions, being very, you know, pompous in your speech, like, that's not something, you know, that's typical in our culture. And, you know, sometimes in that high school environment here in, 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 in the U.S., you're expected to assume some of that more extroverted um, space. Um, so um, kind of navigating that was another thing. And, you know, this is why I go back to um, kind of that system of support with people that you can resonate with, that you can look up to. Um, whether that's my soccer coach, whether that's people I started to see in the media or in the public space, um, is they give you kind of guideposts, they give you inspiration, um, and, you know, navigating a world that might, you might obviously be a minority still, but learning how to do that in a, in a, um, empowering way, um, is, is something that, um, I ultimately took away and hopefully, um, I'm able to get back to uh, moving forward. Yeah, I, I want to just kind of circle back on that that idea of uh, this Spanish teacher seems like and and your soccer coach one and the same, correct? Yeah. <laughs> um, just like serving as a role model, and I'm thinking I didn't really have that as a high school student, and I I didn't especially not like peers that were older than me. I didn't get that till college with some teammates that kind of took me under their wing. And I'm very lucky in that regard, but I still don't feel like I have like a older adult I'm able to go to and like bounce ideas off of or whatever, have that kind of relationship. Um, can you maybe take me back and share a particularly meaningful story or conversation that you, you had with, uh, with that teacher um, to maybe kind of color that relationship? Yeah. Um, so I think just in the soccer space, um, I wouldn't say I'm the most talented soccer player. I definitely had my ups and downs. And, um, you know, he was very honest and transparent with me. There were times, um, you know, when I was with our high school team that, um, you know, I was sort of floating between starting and on the bench. And, um, you know, sometimes I got very down and just uh, remember on the school bus, he would, um, you know, again, be very open um, and, you know, be realistic with how I was doing, but just making sure that um, I could deal with that in the right way that um, I would still stay motivated and looking at the bigger picture about how this is a learning lesson, how this can teach you resilience. Um, and, um, I think, you know, now thinking about it now, right. Um, I mean, you, you obviously played in college. I had no chance for that whatsoever. So like all those like life skills, um, you know, coping with adversity, um, 
really stuck with me till today. And so um, I think that's, you know, something that's really valuable with, with sports and um, him being like that mentor to me. Um, so um, yeah, I, again, just him using sports and, you know, being there as a, as a, um, as a guide, as a mentor was, was, was really incredibly valuable. Yeah. I guess just knowing, knowing they're in your, in your corner yeah. and the idea that like he, the relationship between the two of you is, is not dependent on your performance on the soccer field or in the classroom. Like he's going to be there for you and not just be there for you, but also kind of help you learn about yourself, learn about these, these life lessons. Um, that's invaluable. Do I have that right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I'm thinking maybe we could start talking about how this kind of is an example of a male to male relationship that um, I don't think is the norm, you know, talking about how you're feeling like, Hey, I'm really worried about school or Hey, I'm worried about like how I'm playing on the soccer field. Like that, like vulnerability and honesty. I, you tell me that is, that is not the norm in, sure. in, in male relationships, right? For sure. For sure. And he is definitely an inspiration for me. Um, and um, yeah, just, maybe sort of questioning the way our culture defines manhood about masculinity. Mm. I think we still have a very rigid notion of masculinity um, where it's one where, as you said, it's um, kind of, you can't really be too vulnerable. If you're struggling with things, you kind of have to keep that inside. Um, You can't be too emotional, especially in front of your guy friends. Um, You know, there's certain hobbies or interests or people, right, that you have to follow the, to um, exemplify what, what you mean, like how you are as a man, right? Um, and I think things have improved, obviously, and you've had a lot of different examples um, recently, but this overarching notion is still there. Um, and, you know, I think it's time that we have a reckoning with that. And, you know, the male community kind of looks at, looks at itself and says, this is not really the most sustainable. This is not the most healthy, you know, can we reframe things where being vulnerable is seen as courageous, where it's okay and common to open up, not just to, you know, females, but to male, to other men as well, right. To embrace this notion of mentorship, you know, all these things where for me, this is a healthier way to be a man, but, you know, we've kind of chosen, uh, an unhealthier right. vision, right. And I think it takes, you know, these individual relationships, but it also takes kind of a cultural change. And in the media, we need to represent men in different ways. We need to show on TV or on film, men opening up or talking about their mental health challenges or, um, not even just challenges, but ways that they've maybe thrived or, um, you know, overcome these obstacles, right. Like more positive portrayals as well. Just having a more, um, 
you know, varied kind of representation is very important. So, um, you know, I'm incredibly passionate about this work. And um, from an academic point of view, I think when I go in, go back to grad school at some point, this is like what I want to specialize in is just kind of masculinity, um, male mental health, how to support um, young men. Um, so, um, you know, and it starts, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a big <laughs> cultural thing either. Like in your sports teams, um, in your own families, can we start having these conversations? Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited about, about talking about all this. <laughs> yeah, no. And you hit the nail on the head. You're, you're speaking my language. Exactly. I want to just pick your brain on this subject and learn from you and what a theme that came up as I was reading and I'll link it in the show notes, your white paper and also your article uh, on Thrive Global, just talking about this uh, theme specifically of like new masculinity um, is the role of relationships. And that's kind of why I wanted to start with like that relationship uh, with you and your high school teacher. Like, can you maybe teach the audience, but that's really just proxy, like teaching me, uh, like the role of relationships and social connections and how that relates to mental health globally, but also like more specifically for men, maybe like where they fall short, because I feel like this is something that was for me a lot easier when I was living with my best friends in a dorm on campus surrounded by them and then going to the locker room and having practice with that group of guys and then going to dinner, guys and girls, whatever, uh, being able to catch up and talk about how you're doing. And I found that to be like a lot more challenging to maintain, uh, like given the circumstance of like living at home, seeing friends on the weekend, but not during the week. So I guess I didn't realize how important that was, uh, to like my well being. So like really doubling down on like whatever the past few months, like, okay, you got to take care of this, this bucket. So maybe that's me way of rambling. Like that's why I care about it. So maybe you could help me understand like, yeah, that relationship, um, and like what you've come to know through your research work and I don't know, personal reflection. Yeah, um, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head where a lot of times men prefer to have these more, I'd say like um, instrumental relationships where it's your your friends for a reason, you're on a team, you're in a work group, you're in a sports league, um, you're all kind of trying to act on something or- And to cut you off, I think- I feel yeah. like I don't like those relationships. Exactly. Um, yeah. they're, 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 they, they don't, they don't do it for me, I guess is what I'm saying, yeah. but I, I'll let you keep going. No, no. And this is a common sentiment. I think with a lot of guys is they don't prefer to just have these types of relationships, but they end up getting bucketed. Or, I see. Um, I see where you're going. Way, right. That's the only thing that they can do with their friends, right. Go out, um, you know, to a, um sports game or um you know i i think more often than not it's the women who 
look for relationships for the relationship's sake, right? To have those conversations, to build that stronger bond. Um, and so I think, you know, that piece of really connecting with the people they're actually around, right? Not just having people around, but actually connecting with them mm. is something that, you know, frankly, we can do better as, as guys. And um, that's what I mentioned before. Like, it's okay to start having these conversations with your guy friends to open up, um, to really, you know, be vulnerable yourself to role model that's this sort of, this sort of stuff. Cause that's where you build those deeper connections, right? You don't frankly build connections, just talking about fantasy football, um, all day, you know? Mm-mm. So, um, you see, I mean, frankly, like you see this in my, some of my group chats as well, like the ones where it's just a bunch of guys will just, only talk about a TV show or sports or, um, you know, plan for whatever we're doing on the weekend, where if I'm in, um, you know, other chats with, with girls, it's, it's, it's much more varied. Right. And I'm allowed to talk about other things. So this is again, one of those cultural things, but it it starts with your own group, with your own friend groups, um, um, especially with, with who, with your other guy friends. So, um yeah that's what i've i've seen in the research and seen in real life as well and i guess what does the the research show us like hey this is like a really important variable really important buffer like those people who have what do you do you need just like one person that you can confide in is it important to have like a group where you're able to like bounce ideas off of each other do you have any insight whether it's i don't Yes, research is great, but like also just kind of like your own reflections. Yeah, um, I'm not totally sure about this research, but again, and that's like, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, just um, again, having that one person, as as you mentioned, having a culture environment where mm. it's okay to um, have these more challenging conversations. I know in the realm of you know actually seeking mental health support having someone who looks like you, who you can identify with, um, oftentimes is more effective when you think about therapy. Um, so, you know, I think there's so many different ways, um, to, to, you know, change the sort of dialogue or narrative, um, that, that guys are maybe less, less willing to have these conversations, but again, it starts, it's, it starts small in my opinion. And maybe before we get into like those, those tactics, like why is it that men are just so bad, quote unquote, <laughs> air quotes, bad yeah. at opening up and talking about just like, Hey, how you doing? And like answering yeah. that more honestly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's the evolutionary. <laughs> it's a big question. And, it's a big question. Tackle it. However, however, <laughs> uh, you feel comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I think just there's this notion that we carry over from however long ago that men are supposed to put their heads down, be the provider, um, you know, um, I think that's a little bit outdated when you think about the how important it is in today's society to take on, you know, roles where you're 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 more providing sort of emotional labor emotional support right um that 
your social skills are equally as valuable as whatever technical expertise that you may have. Um, and so, um, and, and the fact that, you know, in very much in today's society, we're getting separated from our own close circles. A lot of times, you know, we're going to work, we're on our laptops all day, then we go back home and we're maybe living alone or with the roommate, right? There's less of a more tight-knit kind of sense of community. Um, and I think that makes it especially important to find that group of people that you trust and you support. Um, so um, I think, you know, our society has changed and men are not just bounded by these rigid notions of, of uh, masculinity. And so um, it's time for, uh, frankly, men to look themselves in the eye and say, like, how can, um, you know, we as a, as a, as a group um, improve? Yeah. And I think there's, there's a lot of power in just acknowledging that, like, Hey, this is, this is challenging for reasons beyond yourself you know, like, yes, I know. Okay. I'd feel better if I talk about it, but there are these pressures that make it challenging. And those pressures are beyond just, just you, they're societal, they're historical. Um, so I think there, there's something to be said, said for that. Like, how do you try and, because you said start small and, I like that. Okay. I might get a little overwhelmed by trying to change the, change the culture, but okay. You can start with your relationships. Like what is something that you found that maybe you've changed, um, in your relationships or are working on changing, um, more like concretely, is it like asking your buddy how they're doing and then asking again when they say, Oh yeah, I'm fine. You, you know, like, yeah. like what, what, what is it, what does it look like in your eyes? Doesn't have to be reality, just maybe more like aspirational, but like kind of like, not like tactically, but like yeah. in reality. Yeah. So I think really just asking some of your friends, like, you know, again, like, as you mentioned, how are you doing, but what are some of the things that you're thinking about um, kind of in your personal life or in your professional life, even right. Like, just starting more of an in-depth conversation, um, you know, how your relationship's going. Um, I think um, also kind of for people who might be a little bit younger than you, like offering to be a mentor, uh, maybe it's in your workplace, um, maybe it's in your community, right? Whatever social circle you're in, um, taking on um, some of that role where you're not just, there to provide a service right so um you know as a coach right or um as a mentor as a teacher like finding those types of roles um i think is a really really valuable learning experience um and i think also it's being okay with talking to some of your girl like friends who who um you know about about this too right it's like um, both sides, not just, not just with your, with your guy friends. Gosh, it sounds so simple. Like, yeah. couldn't you just ask how you're yeah. doing and what you're thinking about and like how this is going. Yeah. Um, but it's hard. And I, I'm thinking like, God, I'm lucky that I have a few of those in my life, yeah. but it's almost like, gosh, I wish I was like in the same space, you know, like 
being able to kind of just like check in with each other um yeah and and go ahead oh sorry and the other thing i'll say is just it's okay to maybe have some interests that are quote-unquote less masculine right like there's certain shows on for example on netflix where it's like okay maybe mostly girls watch it but that's okay like if, if you're interested in that sort of stuff right um your fashion preferences your music preferences right um that's what i mean by like this very rigid notion of mm. masculinity i think extends to the culture where um maybe i know a lot of guys who for example love to listen to taylor swift but maybe are too embarrassed to do that in a public setting but you know who cares like <laughs> like you know a lot of girls have interests and things that we typically associate with men and that can be the case for the other way around right so um i think that's another that's another realm of like with your interests with your preferences um what you show publicly on social media or um like that's totally fine to have a more um you know varied kind of interest set yeah and i think this is a great way to maybe more concretely talk about like your this this um idea of like new masculinity and this was one of the ideas that you kind of present in uh in your article where you're you're saying like hey like be authentic embrace your whole identity not just the parts that are that that fit fit the mold right so like what um are there any aspects that you think like you may be suppressed but now embrace or are working on hey if you're a big taylor swift fan like now's your time to share or if you're not cool sharing like that's cool because i'm thinking i'm trying to reflect on like man are your interests kind of guided by this uh like ever-present cultural norm uh and and i'm I'm trying to reflect on that. Yeah, um, I'll say something like, not everyone knows this, but like um, one of my guilty pleasures is sort of, you know, The Bachelor or Love Island, where <laughs> you know, on Netflix there's two lots to handle. Like, I, I don't know, I, I just find that fun, funny, um, um, sort of as an escape, right? And so I'm okay talking about that in public. Um, and, I'm, and, you know, that doesn't affect me or, you know make me less of a man because i have that sort of interest right um i listen to a lot of kelly clarkson um you know i I think it's it's totally okay to to have this sort of stuff right um so um you know and and the other thing i'll say is you know you can be close with some of your friends who are girls without being in a quote unquote relationship, right? I don't, I think sometimes that's hard for some guys to fully conceptualize, but um, that's another part of the thing is like, you know, not everything has to be about romance, right? So um, that's another thing that, that I've tried to embrace a little bit more. No, no, definitely. Um, and I, I think I didn't have that uh, in high school and then going to college, just like expanding friend groups, like, wow, like, uh, like relationships in like the largest sense of the word is just like 
they can be so varied and they're so much deeper than <laughs> that maybe what I had at high school. Obviously, that's a lot to put on like a whatever yeah. 17, 60 or 17 year old kid. <laughs> but um, going going back to like this um, kind of how we want to kind of redefine masculinity, which I know is like a big ask, but you mentioned earlier, just like seeing vulnerability as being courageous and being tough. And could you maybe expand on, on that idea? Like what does vulnerability look to you? Cause like, sounds pretty powerful to me. Yeah. Um, I think it comes with acknowledgement that you can't just <laughs> deal with the you deal with everything on your own, right? Mm. It's literally impossible to do that. Just navigating school, navigating work, navigating your social life, right? There's an expectation that at some point you will need help in small ways, in large ways, sometimes even professional ways, right? The the way that our society puts you know has these expectations uh, means that you there, you need that community you know you need that um you know whole village right to support you um on your journey upwards and so you know sometimes there's a very easy way which is just to put your head down and say i can do this all on my own um but that's just not realistic so um you know i think very early on whether it's you're entering college you're entering the workforce um you know, speaking with uh, specifically to men, I think it's important to find that person you can confide in, someone who can maybe mentor you, who you can go to in good times and bad times, right? Um, I think that's what I mean by this is not the easiest thing to do, um, but to do this shows that you're willing to embrace these challenges and prepare yourself fully, right? Because you're surrounding yourself with a strong support group. And I think it might be important at this point, just like take a step back, like, why does this matter? Why is this important? And I'm thinking, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, I guess I'm thinking back to the the quote, like, uh, no greatness is achieved alone. Like the path to mastery, it's not a singular uh, journey. And so like you can't reach your, your highest self without the, the support of others to, to think that that's the case is like delusional. And, yeah. uh, but there are these pressures like in, in the moment to always say like, no, Hey, I can do it. No, Hey, I can handle it. No, like I'll, I'll, I'll work through this. Um, yeah. So maybe mm-hmm. you could color why like why why does this matter you know this matters to our whole well-being yeah definitely and this con- connects back to the kind of emotional health and, and well-being mm-hmm. right where you know this concept of being healthy i think sometimes even in um our own western culture it's you have to do everything on your own you have to go to the gym you have to eat healthy you see these people on Instagram, right? You think, oh, wow, there's this some, you know, very macho, heroic person, right? Um, and then you translate that to yourself um, and you realize that's just not possible, right, to do all that. Um, and, 
you know, you need, again, like genuine relationships, people you can turn to, you need to kind of resources from outside of yourself <laughs> to support you, whether that's being more fit or, um, you know, overcoming some um, emotional obstacle, right? Um, so, you know, I think this is what I kind of bring in more from just my cultural background is um, I think in the, in the Chinese culture, it's more your success and your kind of thriving is a, a collective project, right? It's um, your parents, it's your family, it's your community, um, right? Whereas I, sometimes I think um, in Western culture, it's this individualistic notion, um, you being kind of this hero, right? Um, and you being able to accomplish everything. Um, and you see that sort of narrative in a lot of films and then um, even like the way we celebrate athletes without realizing like, you know, uh, a LeBron James has hundreds of people surrounding him <laughs> that got him to that point. Um, so, um, you know, that's why, I, I mean, you know, achieving your goals is, is such a, yeah. And, and being healthy is such a collective effort. And you're making me think of like, there's the, 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 the stoic idea. You can take, take something by the smooth handle or the rough handle, every situation, like you can either, and I'm thinking like, damn, there are a lot of times, a lot of challenges that I am choosing to make harder than it needs to be. I'm thinking like a few nights ago, this new uh, project. I'm like learning, uh, to like work on this, this database project at work. And it's like, okay, you've never learned this skill and you're like beating your head against the desk, trying to teach yourself and you're asking and you're just like getting angry and frustrated. It's like, dude, what, like, why are you trying to do this yourself? And then like, that's like a, a small, like funny example, like whatever. But also just like in emotional uh, challenges or like whatever, like you're, you're, I'm thinking through like, oh, I'm just going to meditate on it and journal about it. And like, don't get me wrong. Like that is where my best ideas come from. But like, dude, pick up the phone and talk to a friend. And when I do, it's like, oh my God, I feel so much better. Does that kind of align with, uh, with, with your experience? Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, I'll also add that really big believer in journaling, meditation, having that alone time, especially I'm relatively an introvert. So I need that separation. Between, Same here. Right. Engaging with others and having my own time to process. So, um, you know, you want to put that out there. Um, but when there is a clear need um to reach out or to talk to a friend um to facetime somebody right there should be less of a barrier right in my opinion i think our culture puts those barriers up um when that's not helpful right so 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 um yeah really really resonate with everything you just said and the last idea i want to bring up on on this like 
I know there was like a short little article, but like I'll link it and encourage everybody <laughs> to read it. It was just like, I love the idea that you said like your self-worth, I might be paraphrasing, should be like measured by how you treat people. Yeah. And that just like hit me in the gut. Like when, when something like, you know, just feels true, but you like, you haven't seen it kind of phrased that way. Um, could you maybe expand on that? for like I'll say for the audience, but really for me? Yeah, um, I would say from high school onwards, even middle school, mm. we start measuring ourselves. What are our grades? What are extracurriculars? What are the jobs that we're getting, internships that we're getting? What is our starting salary or signing bonus, right? Everything is so quantifiable in how much you have personally accumulated, right? How impressive is your resume? How many LinkedIn followers you have, how many Instagram <laughs> followers you have, right? Um, and I'm maybe over-exaggerating in some ways, but I feel like sometimes, that, you know, the way that we're perceived when you think about your closest friends or your, your colleagues is how they've treated you, right? Um, you know, do they have these, these, these character values like empathy, integrity um are they a person that you want to be around um you know do they have leadership are they responsible um and i think sometimes that is viewed as sort of an externality or something that that's um you know that looks good right oh i donated to charity oh i volunteered right but when we start looking back and maybe I'm too young to think about this, but when you're 40 or 50, my parents' age, it's more about kind of the legacy that you're leaving behind, right? How you positively impacted others. You know, how have you become a leader, a mentor? Um, you know, so I think, especially in this, this grind that a lot of us are in, we, we forget that, you know, the way that we treat others, the way that we have an impact on society is just as valuable, I would argue more valuable than everything that we've accomplished or accumulated ourselves. Um, and, you know, just that, because both from the Harvard community, I wish this was the case more in Harvard as well, right? Um, sometimes there's this facade of, being social, like, you know, making, doing things because they mean something or they have value. Where, whereas I hope we, that can actually not just be the facade, but actually be the foundation. Um, you know, so, um, you know, that doesn't mean, again, if you have talents in, in things that maybe aren't viewed this way, like if you are really talented at trading stocks, or, um, you know, pursuing something that's maybe more on the materialistic end, that's totally fine. Um, we need those types of people to drive our society forward because ultimately we are in a capitalist society. But if you feel like in your gut or you're in, like this is what you want to, what you want to do is more things in the sort of social impact space that you see yourself making a difference in your community, that's your calling um then 
you know, I think, especially for men sometimes, like that I think it's critically important for these people to come out and be role models and show that this is possible, right? That um, you can take on different roles in society. And I think like internally, we, we know that like, yeah. hey, how, how we treat people, like the impact we have yeah. on other people matters way more than like whatever you're accomplishing or not accomplishing in your job or materially, like you said. Yeah. But then it's like, okay, you, you know that, you hold that internally. Yet like, what do you stress out about? You don't stress out about the fact like, oh, hey, I haven't called this person or hey, I haven't checked in on that other person. You freak out because mm-hmm. you're you're stressed about work or like you're worried about the next thing you're going to do. Yeah. And so thank you for kind of reinforcing the idea that like, yeah, I, I, I might hold internally and quote unquote, no, but it doesn't align with like how yeah. I spend mm-hmm. my time or what I worry about. Yeah. And one thing I'll, you know, put as a caveat is, you know, maybe this is coming from a position of privilege because some people have to prioritize. Well um, said. Yeah. Right. The, you know, their, you know, their income or um, they want to move up in the economic ladder. Um, but that, you know, even then there's, there's opportunities. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Um, so again, it's like, I totally respect, I admire people who, um, kind of are more focused on, you know, their personal wealth or, um, building up those, those accolades on their resume. Um, but I, I just, you know, say that that shouldn't define you totally, right? That there's other things that build who you are um, as, a, as a human. No, and I'm glad you brought up that point because it's so easy to gloss over and for, forget that really. Um, and I think it's important. So it's like, okay, not to not to judge others. Like, okay, now that I've had this realization of what's important, then like kind of, judging others like no there's there's reasons behind everything so i'm glad you brought that up and i want to maybe last piece before we kind of pivot to your your work as we're talking about how how relationships are more important than work but like you're you're in a unique space and you've just brought up in we've we've been bringing up this idea of role models in in our in our own lives but you mentioned jeremy lynn and i'm thinking about like the people we put on posters on our dorm room walls or whatever, like what, and you brought up the word macho. It's like, okay, you're going to put up, like I had a poster of like Michael Jordan in my dorm. Right. But, but now I'm thinking it's like, okay, is that like the, the type of person I want to want to emulate, want to look up to like, I don't know if I, like, it sounds like he had like a lot of like a lot of stress in his own life that like kind of self-imposed. It's like, would I trade places? I don't know. And so like, really I've been thinking maybe over the past year or whatever, like what though, who those people are that I look up to. Um, so maybe who are some role models in your own life that are maybe more like public facing figures, or maybe you could mention some like celebrities that, um, you feel like are modeling um 
or like representing themselves in a positive light more, more than just like their accolades, what they, they do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll just start off with Jeremy Lynn, right. Um, how he's handled just being in the public spotlight and used his platform. Um, you know, he's recently opened up about some of his mental health challenges when his NBA career kind of, um, started to not pan out the way he wanted to, um, just, the amount of um, philanthropy that he's done, um, how he's been like a public facing Asian American. Um, I think, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've looked up to him since um, he, you know, became famous. Um, so he's definitely someone um, that I've, I've resonated with. Um, I would say, you know, my, my, my soccer coach is another one. Uh, you know, obviously not as, as public facing, but um, just being there as a mentor and has really inspired me to, to become a mentor. Um, you know, I'm just thinking in the in the mental health space, um, you know, I hate to just stick with basketball, but um, Kevin Love, um, just being so open about his mental health challenges um, and leveraging his platform for good. Um, and being that role model, right, um, especially as a man, um, is something that I I really admire. Yeah, and then I think growing up, just um, I and this is my my broader point too is I didn't really have honestly too many role models to look up to or people that I really connected with or resonated with. So I think this is why representation in the media in your own communities is, is, is so valuable. No. And thank you for giving those examples that are, yeah, it's, it's kind of a consistent theme is vulnerability talking about how they're really doing, you know, um, yeah. it's like, okay, if those are the values that you, uh, or I like would aspire to, to, to emulate, then it would make sense to have those people, uh, <laughs> as, as role models. <laughs> and I know a lot of, or think I know, maybe I don't know. Uh, like part of your your work is kind of collaborating with these these folks that are more public facing figures in the spirit of kind of emotional health education awareness. These these campaigns and this is all under the job of or the umbrella of the Jed Foundation. Maybe could you? kind of share the group's mission and kind of what the work looks like because okay what is like a mental health consultant nonprofit like look like so maybe if you could could could, could share um that would be that would be great yeah yeah so um you know, the mission of the Jeff Foundation is, um, you know, to protect emotional health and prevent suicide for teens and young adults. Um, and so kind of exactly what I described, kind of a culture of, of caring, of being open about your mental health, of encouraging, you know, these positive attitudes and behaviors um, related to help seeking, um, you know, to support schools um, in Kind of developing a comprehensive mental health plan where it's a focus of a high school of a college um, to um, strengthen mental health programs 
um, policies to to better train and support um, teachers and students themselves, right? And so um, we operate in a lot of different spaces. Um, you know, I mentioned our schoolwork, um, sort of advising school leadership on, um, you know, the types of uh, policies and, and programs that need to be put in place that are grounded in, you know, what we believe is one of the strongest kind of evidence-based public health models um, where, um, you know, every school that we work with, um, we do an evaluation, um, we survey students, we do focus groups, and through that we have um, recommendations that are put into our strategic plan about how can you strengthen students' life skills, how can you increase access to mental health care, um, how can you reduce kind of possible means to to harm, right? Um, really, um, and that's what I use the word safety net, really surrounding, you know, schools with, with the safety net. Um, so that's what we do with, with um, high schools and colleges. Um, and then we also try to kind of meet teens and young adults where they are, right? So we advise social media companies, we advise regular like media productions. Um, we work with sports leagues. Um, you know, um, we work with some fashion brands. Um, right now, what we're trying to go into like the gaming space, the metaverse space, um, and really focusing on um, kind of safe messaging, um, providing resources for people within these companies or, you know, content creators. Um, you know, we have some more PSA campaigns, um, one of them called Seize the Awkward, which is all about how do you have that awkward conversation with your friend to check in about their mental health, right? So giving them conversation starters and tips. Um, and through that, we've been able to partner with a few celebrities, um, you know, like Billie Eilish. Yeah, name drop. <laughs> yeah, just, um, um, yeah, a, a few others too. So yeah, really leveraging their, their public platforms. Um, so, uh, it's a, it's a lot of work, but you know, this word that we kind of throw around is, is thought leadership, right? The, the way that we kind of envision this mental health culture moving forward, um, we try our best to, um, positively shape and impact schools, um, organizations, companies, um, to really, um, promote like a culture of caring. That's that's so cool. And a point that you you brought up was kind of helping advise, I guess, for lack of a better term, the uh, these schools to uh, help teach. I think you said life skills. And so, like, maybe could you share an example of like what does that look like in a school? Because I have a feeling it's not like, all right, here's like a week or two like mental health unit in like your health or wellness class. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess like what, what does that actually look like? Yeah. Um, you know, I think those types of, um, trainings or curriculum, um, is great, like in that health class setting. But, um, I think ideally we want students, all students, all teachers, even people who are surround as teachers, coaches, cafeteria workers, bus drivers, um, to really be confident about how to express their emotions, um, help others, right? 
um, be vulnerable. Um, so, you know, I think we we have our own kind of trainings, one of them being called You Can Help a Friend um, that tries to address this. Um, but sometimes when we work with schools, it's honestly just pulling all these stakeholders together um, and being like, how can we make this more of a emphasis, right? How can we ensure that teachers, when um, when they're reviewing their grades and maybe they're seeing um, a, a noticeable drop in a student, realizing that there, there might be issues um, outside of just purely that their academics and being proactive and reaching for help and support. Um, so that's oftentimes, you know, the value in what we bring. Um, and, you know, through these campaigns, um, like She's the Awkward that we share with schools or, um, you know, really providing resources and recommendations for how to have these conversations, right? So, um, you know, I think life skills um, is, a, is a very big word, um, but it, 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 again, it just starts with those individual conversations and individual relationships. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and uh, I mean, what what work could be more important? I'd say maybe this can be off the record, not not affiliated with Jed. Like, what's your like pipe dream vision? Like, what would be like if Henry Zhu had the opportunity to like design a school? Like, <laughs> what are some some foundational principles or like non negotiables um, that you would think? you would want to emphasize that would like kind of have like, I don't want to say like the best return on mental health, but like for yeah. <laughs> lack of a more empathetic kind of yeah. metaphor. Yeah. So I would say I would like every student to, um, you know, have a mentor and this to be, kind of systematize the same way that you have a teacher, right? In school that everyone has a mentor of some sort, doesn't have to be within mm. the school. Um, but I think that is, you know, so critical um, that that student comes up and identifies somebody that they can turn to. And, you know, there's training both for the mentor and, and for the student on um, how to navigate that relationship. So I think that that is a big thing for me. And, you know, obviously that comes from my personal experience. Um, I think sort of this, you know, sometimes the word social emotional curriculum is used, um, but I think every student should have regular classes that deal with, um, you know, social skills, life skills, um, communication, leadership. Um, I don't really like the word soft skills, but sometimes that's, that's, <laughs> that's used. Um, you know, I think these if you go out in the real world, how do you conduct yourself, you know, how to navigate formal interviews or even how to have small talk or how to talk vulnerably. I think these are things that can't just be assumed will be taught maybe in the household, right? I think our, our schools should have a valuable role in this. Um, and then, yeah, like, like kind of character building, like, I think there's ways you can assess that 
um, or show progression, right? Um, do students who understand what it means to be empathetic um, to, to have these values of integrity, um, to know what it means to be a leader. Um, you should be equally a part of graduation as your academics. Um, I think volunteering or um, social service, right? I don't like this idea of like hitting a certain number of hours. I think there should be ways to measure this progression from whenever, like if you start doing this work in sixth grade, there's definitely, it can be more qualitative, but if you're committed to this and as school um, sort of requires this, what have you taken away over those course of those years? So, um, you know, obviously there's limited hours of, of the school day um, and there's a lot of different academic goals that need to be met too. Um, but some redistribution toward this stuff, um, I think is, 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 is equally important. And um, so, uh, you know, I would like to see that. And um, last thing I'll add um, from directly a mental health point of view is, um, I think <laughs> schools need to think about when they're budgeting or who they're hiring to try to have these more um, specialized roles in their schools, like um, if possible, having a school psychologist, school social worker, someone that can be an external resource for teachers, because I have some teacher friends too, and sometimes they're not comfortable fully addressing mental health or knowing what to do to support a student. Um, or, or dealing with a parent. So having this specialist in the school um, is, is, is really, really important. And so um, having those sorts of mental health resources um, is, is something that I would like to see. That's an unreal vision. That <laughs> is, and um, I can tell you, you've thought about this just a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit. I don't know if it's your day job or anything, yeah. uh, but like, just like imagine a world where kind of investing in those pieces that, that matter, I guess that yeah. um, it's just really like aligning, like what we know to be important, aligning that with like where we, where we spend our time and effort. Um, in the classroom or outside of the classroom, like, like you mentioned, and now maybe bring it back to reality with your, with your work. Like, what are you most excited about? Like, as you're like looking towards the future, is there anything, um, yeah, that you're just kind of like fired up about? Yeah. Um, you know, I think for better or worse, just the COVID pandemic has really shown a light on mental health and, um the demand and the need that exists prior um but i think is on a lot of people's minds and so this is such a valuable opportunity to move beyond awareness um i think obviously there's still so much stigma um still so much shame and secrecy related to mental health um but the fact that this is we are aware that this is in the public realm now is a time to kind of really change the culture and, and build those skills and um, tell people like what to do. Like we know mental health is a serious issue, but are you confident 
have these types of vulnerable conversations? Are you properly equipped? Um, you know, do you have someone important to go to? What are the steps you can take to, to do that? Um, you have all these um, kind of influencers or celebrities who are who are opening up. Um, but are you confident in doing that yourself? And are there proper resources and systems around you? So, um, you know, speaking more on a policy side of things, um, there's still there still needs to be more people, on, 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 you know, in the mental health profession um, who are confident and trained or can train others who are maybe not professionals um, to be a, a resource and be a support. Right. So, um, you know, there's still a shortage of mental health professionals. So can we find opportunities to close that gap? Um, to have more uh, diverse like people in the space um, so that uh, people myself, like myself who may might be more confident talking with a BIPOC in the uh, mentor or mental health professional or a male mental health professional that they're there. <laughs> um, mm. So from a funding point of view, from a policy point of view, I think um, also I think mental health professionals should be paid a little bit better. Um, so, um, you know, just having all this momentum, can we drive this forward in a positive way to kind of achieve what I just outlined, um, we'll take, you know, money, we'll take powerful people within companies, within government, um, putting this on top of my mind. And so, um, you know, and, and, and I think not to get into my um, fears, but like, I don't want this to be too much like a symbolic thing or token thing like, oh, we care about mental health. So we're going to, as a company, give everyone a mental health day when, you know, you're still forcing people to work over 80 hours a week or not having any in-house resources that people want to go to support or, um, you know, just from a corporate side of things, for example, right? So I don't want this just to be a, a checkbox. Like we know mental health here, so we did this very small basic thing, right? So um, I think that, that that's really, really important. No, thank you for bringing that up, but also outlining, I guess, one part of me is like, oh my God, that's a lot. there's like a lot a lot of work to be done but on the other side like you just answered that question in the light of like what you're excited about like there are all these different avenues that like ways to improve i guess um which is exciting like start somewhere yeah and one other thing i'll add is you don't need to be in this mental health space as a professional to Mm. be an advocate be a champion within your own household within your own community um i think i'm really inspired just in the work that i do because i do a lot of external affairs partnerships work to meet champions uh like yourself right that are willing to leverage their platforms in a in a positive way and role model um so you know going back to the point about men we need more male kind of mental health advocates um so um you know within 
the spaces that you are part of, um, kind of embracing that um, is would be would be incredible to to start um, to start small. No, I love that you. I think that's a a great part place to kind of wrap up this part of the conversation. It's like give some give some agency yeah. to the individual, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. thank you, thank you for mentioning that. And if you're down to maybe answer some some questions, because we we just talked a lot about what you know and what you do, um, but I kind of want to maybe hear a little bit more about yourself. And these can be, there might be rapid fire questions because they're, they don't really fit with the, with the conversation, but you can take your time with the answer, however long. And I found online that, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you enjoy reading. Do I have that right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any um, like books that you've maybe gifted to friends or family more than any other yeah so there's um one i have this like kind of interest in the effects of social media and what's that doing to us and our society so a little bit related to my work but um it's called yeah. the hype machine you say that again um the hype machine okay um it's it's a little bit technical about just how social media um the algorithm sort of is designed but also goes into like the effect that has on on teenagers who are a little bit more vulnerable to um, sort of addictive products and stuff. So, um, yeah, we're a big fan of that book. <laughs> the Hype Machine by Sinan Aral. Yes. Um, yeah. How social media disrupts our elections, our economy, and our health, and how we must adapt. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's 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 a great uh, recommendation and uh, somewhat tied to what we've been what we've been talking about. Maybe uh, off of that, like just to kind of connect it to what we've been talking about, like we've been bringing up this idea of relationships. Like, what relationships have been most important to you over the past handful of years, and like, how do you? I guess what I'm really getting is that, like, how do you, how do you foster those relationships? I think kind of a blessing in disguise with COVID is, um, so I went back hometown, a lot of my high school friends were there and we all reconnected um, mm-hmm. and, are, and are very, very close. Um, and just having, as I mentioned, both really close guy friends and girl like friends um, was something that I really took away from these past two years and having that close system of support. Um, so that has been really, really valuable. Um, and then the professional setting, just um, my own boss has been very, very supportive of my path and my interests. And, um, you know, my full, I have a fancy kind of title as chief of staff, but I've really gotten to craft like what I want to do. And this year transition more into doing more partnership stuff because I'm just really excited about sharing Jed and our mission outside um, to others. Um, so um, that sort of flexibility at work, I, I think that's the case for Jed as, as a whole. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, no doubt. And I think I'd, I'd have to mention, I'm very lucky to also be surrounded by friends from home and just kind of, uh, 
kind of forgetting like, Hey, how you might not talk for a while, but like they're always there. And like those, like these are friends that I've had since I was whatever, 11 years old, like that's, or, or younger. So, um, just like reflecting on that, it's, it's powerful. Um, next one, I'd, I'd be curious if you have any, and you can pick the, the timeline, but like any new, new beliefs or behaviors or habits that you think have like improved your life or well-being, does anything come to mind? Yeah, um, I would say just like being more adventurous um, and giving myself like fun challenges to do. Oh, say more. Um, so um, I'm planning this out right now, but I kind of want to um, spend like maybe 24 hours to like get onto every subway line in New York City. Um, that's one a related one is to ride a city bike through like all five boroughs. Um, this is a little bit like me watching too many YouTube videos. No, go <laughs> ahead. Creating just some fun things for myself to do that um, are a little bit outside of the norm. Um, I don't know why I'm just thinking about New York City examples, but there's um, um, this chain called Joe's Pizza um, and they have a bunch of chains in like um, Manhattan mostly, I think. And so I just want to spend a day eating a slice of pizza at everyone. So I don't I have no reason for doing this, but just small things like that, just to give myself a little bit of excitement. <laughs> no, and I think, it, yeah, okay, it sounds silly, but like I've also been thinking about this. I haven't graduated to the ideas <laughs> generation that, that you you have, yeah. but just like this idea of of like novelty in our yeah. in our days i don't know i've found that in a way that is very different from college where it was like no two days were really the same i feel like the opposite could be said for working from home uh yeah. like in the same environment uh day in day out and yeah i guess it's it's funny how like doing the same thing can be exhausting. And I think like those little bits of novelty, I'm going to take that to heart and think of ways that like, even if they're silly little challenges, like, Hey, break up your routine. Your routine is not sacred. It is, you know, it's not written in stone. Um, like loosen up a little bit and maybe off of that, because you, you are doing so much, work and you're thinking about this i imagine this isn't just something you like are able to like close the laptop and stop thinking about so like how do you like let go and recharge the batteries but i guess more more to the point is like how do you give yourself permission to kind of take care of yourself does that make sense yeah um i think for me just again i mentioned having alone time and personal space because i'm on so many calls talking meetings all day, all day for my work um you know after work i like to just be by myself um and um i think i'm not a big meditator but sometimes just like going out for a walk or like putting on like a nature documentary or um 
there's a funny thing I do where if you Google um, like drone shots in nature, like drone shots, Arctic or whatever cool natural environment um, suits you, <laughs> um, I actually put that on, I mute that, and then I play like whatever music that I like um, at that time. So it kind of gives me that simulated environment. Um, that's a little fun thing that I I like to do that kind of takes me away for, for a brief moment. Um, and a big sports person. So, you know, watching sports, playing sports um, is, is just something that I've, I've done. Um, in college, I was, um, I covered the Harvard basketball team for three years. Um, it was a great way to release some of that stress on the weekends. <laughs> um, Actually, sometimes it caused more stress, but yeah, um, what are you talking the, about hitting yeah, deadlines? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just not being so enmeshed in the Harvard bubble, um, and I got to travel with the team a lot, so those road trips are really fun to um, get out of get out of Cambridge. So um, yeah, those would be my my top ones. No, that that's great that you're aware that like, hey, if I need to. I'm going to be okay putting on a video on mute and vibing out to some music. Like just like giving yourself that space. Like for me, it's, it's, it's family guy episodes. Like when I need it, when I need a a minute or two or three, it's like, like just, just go for it. Um, binge a few, if you need, like laugh it out. Um, and last one to, to round it out. And if you don't have one, that's okay. But I'd be curious, like, because you are very thoughtful in all of your responses and it seems like you're like aligned in like what you do, what you value, how you like go about um, the world. Do you have any like quotes or mantras that either like live by or maybe just like recently have been thinking of often? It doesn't have to be like a... uh like a guiding, <laughs> guiding message, but I just be, be curious. Yeah. So, um, there's a college basketball reporter, John Rothstein. He, um, says, um, he basically quotes this every morning on his Twitter that every day is a gift. Um, I, I think I live by that. Just live in the present, appreciate what you have now. Um, try to look for the positive in things. And so um, I think the quote, he quoted Art Lovely is his name, but um, yeah, definitely something, definitely something I live by. I can't think of a better way to round it out and makes a lot of sense because it aligns with like how you're, you're going about going about the, uh, the world. So I appreciate you giving me a crash course in all of these things that you think about day in and day out. And yeah, thank you for being so open and vulnerable uh, in this conversation. And I think you use the word like being a champion for like talking about these issues and bringing it to, to the public uh, in your, in your own way uh, using the platform that you have. So thank you, Henry. This has been a lot of fun for me. Do you have any, parting words or last things you'd like to to say before we wrap up uh no i think uh yeah i really appreciate just uh giving me this platform and uh sharing more about my work and my 
my journey. So, um, yeah, again, I, I think what you, you said put it best, just being that champion, being that advocate um, doesn't have to be big, but, um, you know, it starts with, you know, your own friend group, your own family, your own community. Um, and if you want to, um, something in bigger places too. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Ian. No, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Hey, everybody. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you making it this far and hope you enjoyed that one. As always, you can find links to everything we discussed, show notes, and a lot more like my favorite reads and random writing on my website at chrismcgrory.net. That's C-H-R-I-S-M-C-G-R-O-R-Y dot net. Thanks so much and see you next time.